Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Jonathan Weitzman. In part two of our conversation, Jonathan talks about how he envisions career building in academia and also talks about different projects he's championed at the Université de Paris aimed at preparing his students for their professional life and at empowering them during their graduate studies. By stepping across and saying, you know, I'm not going to be the teacher on the teacher side, but we're going to all learn together. I've learned as much from my students as they've learned from me. And, you know, to be able to ask a student who's head of an incubator, can you show me around and, you know, I can ask questions. It's fantastic. And and, and the one thing I've really realized as a teacher is that once a student realizes they have a lot of freedom, suddenly they express themselves in lots of different ways and, and we all learn together. And this is fantastic. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. All right, so let's resume. We talked about so many interesting things. So, so I, can I can I just one thing I'd like to say? So that, that we sort of mentioned during the break and and sort of alluded to before. Um, is uh, this idea that, that CVs are very linear. And often my students, they're, they're, I think one, one reason that people are scared to, to try things is they're worried what they're going to put on your CV. So in my, in my, since I left high school at 18, I have several times taken a year out. Okay, I, I had uh, for all sorts of personal and professional and different reasons. And I sent you my CV. They're not on my CV. And you didn't look at my CV and say, wait a minute, there's some gaps. No, <laughs> no, no one, no one, people, students think, they, they think that people, are, people look at CVs saying, oh, where's the gap? So as long as the, I don't, I think it's hard if you to take five years off and to come back is hard. But if you want to try something, and as you, you said yourself, we should make, we, we're experimentalists, yeah? We should experiment more with our careers. If you want to try something, writing, acting, scientific, um, science, um, business development, I spent a year doing business development in a, um, it's not on my CV because it's not useful at the moment to put it on my CV. I, there are times when it's been on my CV, there are times when it's not, but but if if it's uh, less than a year, it just disappears when you want it to disappear. And when you want to bring it out, then you bring it out and you use it. So um, so I think that when you realize that, then you say, I can experiment. I can take six months to travel around the world or six months to be a science journalist. And as long as I can justify it financially, um, then then I can, yeah, there's lots of things you can do. Lots more than students realize. Yeah, and some people say, oh, you go to industry, you can't come back. That's not true. I've had people on the on the show who have done it. And of course, it depends on what you're doing in industry. But uh, there's a lot of stereotypes out there and of, uh, oh, if you, that's it, if you leave, you can't come back. Well, not, not really true. But then what you're saying also, 
you you have to tailor your CV to the audience of that C, of the CV to whoever's going to interview you. If if it's important for them, you put it in. If it's not, and if it's like six months, like you were saying, you, it doesn't go in for sure. For sure, no, I I I'm, I totally agree. Uh, maybe something we can in the end uh, in the final uh, uh, the, the the final set of of advice of uh, pieces of advice that we can talk about how how these experiences don't uh, are not holes in your CV. They're different things that you did that may or may not at different times be useful to your your career advancement, and uh, you shouldn't be afraid of them. Cool, cool. Um, so, do you did you have a, a, other ex, a pers, uh, other professional? Because you said uh, I tried to leave and come back, a, and I came back a couple of times. Apart from writing journalism, uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention? So, um, so I did do a year in um, in business development. Uh, very interesting. Very interestingly, my uh, I I was actually um, so I I rarely talk about this because it, it it actually sort of disappeared in, on my CV. But um, I I I had a um, I was recruited at the Institute Pasteur, but not as a group leader, as a researcher. In France, they have these uh, junior recruitment, um, which gives you a certain security, but doesn't necessarily give you a lab immediately. Um, And uh, and these this status is not always easy because you're not a head of a lab, but you're not a postdoc. So they're not always easy to navigate. And, and I was going through all sorts of personal things. And um, and I took a job. Uh, I actually convinced the institute where I was working. So the Pasteur Institute has a fantastic history of um of um, of business development and and patenting uh, patenting um, so the Pasteur Institute for many years had an, a very large um, income from the HIV patents and and the whole portfolio of patents so they had a very a very some very good people in the in the business development and uh, and I convinced the institute to let me step over uh, with the idea that I would be a bridge between the administration and the research community in the Institute. And um, so, so just one thing I remember is my, my mentor, my, the head of my um, department, he said to me, um, I'm not convinced that this is a good idea, but I can see you're, you want to take, he said, don't make a leaving party. <laughs> and every time I left, he said, Don't make a leaving party with the idea being that if you don't have a leaving party, then maybe you can come back. <laughs> so, uh, That's so, so, so I went, so I went to, to, to work in the administration and in, in France, I imagine it's the same uh, where you are. The research body and the administrative bodies have a very hard time talking to each other. And, and I was really convinced that I could play a unique role Because I knew the research community, I came from them, I spoke their language, and I was willing to step over the bridge and that I could help create easier links. And, um, and, and at the beginning, it was, this was, it was very challenging, but, but very interesting. So I learned a lot about um, intellectual property. I worked with the patent office who were delighted to have someone who could explain the science behind... Or, the discoveries interact with the researchers um 
I work with the business development people, with the contract people. So I, I really learned a lot. And I we, we, we were involved in setting up startups. And so I learned an enormous amount. And, and this has been, it's been fantastically helpful uh, teaching. It gave me a network. It gave me lots of experiences. Um, it was not wholly satisfying. Okay. There was something and, missing. Um, and there was something missing. And in the end, I came back. <laughs> Um, but 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 it wasn't. But I don't regret any of this. Whether I, you know, whether it was I, 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 at another point in my career, I went to work for a startup. It was the startup bubble. Everyone was very excited. I was doing again a sort of interface job, uh, doing scientific content for a, for a startup company that was involved in that needed a lot of scientific content around their the products. Um, it was very exciting at the beginning. And then it it didn't well first of all at the time startups had a, <laughs> had a plunge so when it plunged it was time to to go back but um i i never regretted any of those moves i i did them each of them because i was i just was too frustrated i just couldn't do it anymore i needed to go and see something else often you know the the grass is greener you go and see and you realize that actually <laughs> actually there's a lot of good things about the about science and about the community um and and when i came back i didn't think of it as a failure because i think I, I brought things back with me and and, and as a teacher having uh, you know students love to have a teacher who's not only a scientist but also has done all these other things i think students find that that i think it, it inspires them um, and a lot of the things I've come back have helped me in other ways. So, you know, as a scientist, we also have a patent uh, and I understood how the patent process worked because I'd seen it from the other side. So so you pick up things. You never know where you're picking up things. You pick them up all over the place. And, and one of the things I like to say is that uh, with, when you do a PhD, when you, you know, you, you do first, the first stage, let's say, is the PhD and then you do a postdoc, you become someone who can learn anything you set your mind to very well and, and with ease and, and fairly quickly to a certain level. You, you can't be a, a violinist unless you started a three-year-old. <laughs> three But you can, you know, if, you, if you're interested in something, it's fairly easy for us to, to, to see what the path we need to follow to almost become a specialist in that. Uh, in, in your case, it's, it's even different. Is you, you try different things and you brought back, you know, interesting elements of those things into what you do today, which is very, very cool. One thing we talked about uh, uh, off the mic, off air, was, and, and I think it's a good moment to mention it because I, I find it really, really interesting um, and, and cool and good and inspiring is that, uh, I, I believe this was before starting the interview, maybe may tell me if I'm wrong, that you at a certain point actually proposed and and i think you even uh, were able to start it uh, a class that you that you were going to give the students to talk about the reality of research in industry uh, and i think uh, more and more universities today are uh, looking at the reality of the life of the of the phd students and are uh, realizing that okay a lot of them are not going to be professors let's teach them 
what what life as a PhD is in other domains, namely industry. Can you talk a little about, a little bit about that? How the idea was received by your institution, and then how the experience is, and how the the, the students react to the to to this type of uh, of course. Yeah, so, so I, I think I mentioned already that. So I created this class uh, about research and development in industry, and um, I, this is the. Uh, so so I run this master's program in genetics. It's very hardcore. It's very research orientated, um, and um, and most of you know the the students they have uh, genetics and epigenetics, genomics, uh, population genetics. It, it's uh, It's very intense. And then Tuesday afternoon, we have Recherche et Development Entreprise, so research and development in uh, in business or in... And when I first created it, some of my colleagues, I remember the first teaching meeting I went to, I said, oh, I'm going to create this new class. Someone said, what's that doing here? We, we don't need that. That's, that's not genetics. And, and I defended it because, um, I, as I said, I think... My, the experiences I've had, I thought I had something to say about stepping out. And what I've discovered over the years, so this class is extremely popular class. Um, the students like it, first of all, because just, it's just relaxing. We, um, we just think about something else. There's, no, there's very little scientific content, uh, but there's a lot of questioning. The students are, are pushed to think who they are and where they're going. Um, We go and visit a uh, an incubator, so where they're creating startups. And actually, the incubator we visit, so the incubator we're now visiting, is at the uh, ECM. It's down the street from my university in another university. Um, but the person running the incubator was a student of mine. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's so cool. Who says to the students, the first time I thought about this was when I took this class. That he's now <laughs> teaching it. That's and so he funny. did, he, interestingly, so he did the master's. He was a good student. He did a PhD afterwards. And then he transitioned and now he's running the incubator. And in the incubator are other startups that are employing students from our program. So we go and visit the incubator. We have um, people coming to talk about intellectual property. Uh, we have every year students come to talk about genetic counseling, which is a, a new career that didn't exist 20 years ago. Um That, that, that every year at least one of the students from our program goes on to do a master's in that. But we also have students who are, who are in consulting, in journalism, and they come back and they talk about their experience. And, and so this, I also give a class about my experience. We talk about how to write a CV and how to, how to think about looking for jobs. Um, um, one thing that, that that's that's really striking every year is that the students, all, all, they want very simple answers to the questions like, "Should do I need to do a PhD or not? Um, do I should I do a second master's or not?" And 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 they're always asking these questions, and they always ask the like like, "Do you recruit people with a master's or with a PhD?" And and the people coming back and the entrepreneurs they all they always look at them like I don't understand the question. <laughs> We're looking for people with skills. We don't. And every person we who comes, whether often it's interesting. I have two people who do the same job. One of them did it, did a PhD and somehow managed to get in through the research track, and today he's the head of the company. And another one left after the masters and did a masters in business and went in complete. 
and they're doing the same job. So, and it shows the students there's no, there's no golden paths. Everyone gets where they're going differently. You, you also, you, do you need a PhD to do what you're doing? No, but have, does having a PhD enrich where you are and give you your network and give you ability to talk? Yeah. So, and there's so many ways that to, there's so many ways to get there. And and you have to enjoy the journey. It's not so. They students always want a, a very simple answers to the questions like, should I do a PhD or not? And um, and often it's it's they're asking the questions in the wrong way. So this class has been has been fantastic. And actually, we so we created this in the M one, so the first year of the masters. And last year we just created a an, an option in a module in the second year. And uh, which is more based on creation um, d'entreprise, so creating companies, and uh, was very successful. The students worked in groups to create a sort of fictive, um, like a project, uh, and thought about recruiting, intellectual property, marketing. And uh, this year, if we can do it well, we're going to have a two-week program uh, where they actually get to develop the the projects more. So, um, this, these these have been. These have been like a lot of fun to teach and uh, and I think responsible in that we're helping to give our students some tools not to not to go to other careers, but to think about how they might do that. Yeah, I think universities need to start doing that uh, and and uh, because I would love to see um, a before and after level of anxiety of these students about their career. I'm sure it's much much lower after they go through these uh, through these courses for sure. So, so I, I'd like to talk to you if we, if we have time. I'd like to talk to you about another project I'm doing um, because it's it's very unusual and and I think it's been fantastic teaching experience and and I, and I I'm I'm trying to defend the idea that it's just as helpful. So so um, a few years ago I created a project which is called Academy Vivante which is um, a project trying to bring together art and science. And, um, and it's the same students, these 50 students with, in this hardcore genetics program. And we have a program, uh, one module, uh, that is um, where we have an artist in residence. We bring in an artist and students from Les Beaux-Arts. And, um, and we just create a completely different way of teaching and learning by creating an interface between art and science. And it has been fantastic. It's been, yeah. So you have students from the fine arts and and from science working together in projects? Yeah. Oh my, okay. Yeah. And the projects and, and, and what's been... What's been great is that uh, normally when you teach a class, you say, this is, this is where we're going. This is what's going to be on the exam. It's very content based and, uh, and it's very, there are a lot of instructions. Yeah. You tell the students exactly what you want. They know what you were expecting from them. It's yeah. And, um, and I've come to the realization that's great, but it doesn't prepare you for the lab because when you get to the lab, it's a mess. You don't know where you're going. The, the professor doesn't know where you're going. You make mistakes. You, you need different skills. So how do you prepare for a scientific career, for science, without, without learning about science? And so art is just a fantastic way of, of stepping out of your comfort zone 
and being confronted with with Linkonu, um, the the unknown, and and how to explore that. And the art students have a completely different way of doing this. And the science students, when they realise, so they always say to me, the first class, we don't understand, and what's going to be on the exam. And and I say I I don't know we we we're going to work it out together and and I always sit with them you know if we do if we do clay and sit on the floor I sit on the floor if we write we've had sessions where we've written on the walls I write on the walls I've done everything with it we collage everything we do I do it with them and um, but I'm like I'm not this is not teaching where we tell you what to do this is learning where you explore and I think it's I think it's really important for for thinking about where ideas come from, how you deal with uh, limited resources, how you produce something, to produce something with your hands um, that you're proud of. I think this is great training for the lab and for everything else, but also for the lab. So this has been, I've loved this class. Um, The students, they're always very cautious. They're always, the second class always frustrated. We don't understand what we're here for. Why are we doing this? What's our, anyway, what's this got to do? And then the 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 class before, because there's an exam. So the class before the exam, there's always like a hive of activity, lots of doing. And, and then they're always proud and we always laugh. I always take pictures in the, in the exam because it's rare to have an exam where everyone laughs. Yeah, so they laugh and they, and they also, they explore themselves. We have, science students writing poetry and um so it's it's been fantastic so this is one of my this is something i've I've really enjoyed doing but i i really defend the idea that that teaching is not about the scientific content of course you need you need to teach people how to do hardcore bioinformatics and they you know i teach epigenetics in a very serious way as well but you also need to teach these these soft skills and being able to deal with stepping out of your comfort zone and the unknown. And that's very hard to teach uh, using a textbook. No, it's true. And uh, it, it loops back to, uh, to some, some things that you were saying before. Uh, thinking, if you think of you know, people asking, oh, if I get a PhD, do I get this job? You were saying things are not linear. And once you go into art, it's not linear at all. Uh, right? And I think... First, one thing I want to say, I want to say kudos for, because uh, clearly you have the interest of the students at heart and you, you want them to go through your program and grow. And, and uh, I think that's uh, um, commendable. And I, 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 I wish I had something like that uh, when I was in, in graduate school. It must be very fulfilling for you, but also for them. Um, but um, the fact that the, the artistic process is so different and there's you, you don't have a net you don't have a sometimes you don't have a ground you're like floating in an idea it prepares you for what real life actually is which is you're going to deal with each different problem every day opportunities that arise uh, doors that open or that close and you'll see that life you can't say okay i'm buying a ticket for life and now i have i you know i've succeeded no that's not the the ticket is for the opportunity and then you you kind of create the 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 sculpture of what your life and your career in this case will be i really really love the love the, the concept really really cool i just want to take a moment before going on with the interview to let you know that you can help me end the show by leaving a star rating and a comment on your podcasting app if you want to go a step further Go to patreon.com slash papaphd now and become a supporter. For the equivalent of a coffee per month, 
You'll be helping me immensely with the recurring costs of hosting and producing the show. Again, thank you for being a true fan. I'm going to tell you two other projects because I think you'll like them. So one is I've become very interested in, in interdisciplinary encounters, but also interdisciplinary research. So I have a I created a, a large consortium, which is called uh, Who Am I?, which is a laboratoire d'excellence, which tries to bring together biologists with physicists and philosophers and psychoanalysts and people from different uh, fields and um, around questions of identity uh, at the molecular, cellular, tissular, and, and even population level. Um, so, uh, and this came out of a realization that our university is very proud that it has all the disciplines, but it has them in different buildings. There's a building for the physicists, building for the biology, and they never meet and they, they never, there was no, and the students also, the, the master's programs and PhD programs are all done like this. And I wanted to create something really trans, really trans and not. So I don't know if this will speak to you. Biologists are very, um, they're sort of opportunistic. Yeah? So, so biologists are very good at using other people's skills to answer their questions. So when, when we still started this, um, the, they, there were physicists in the room and the biologists said, okay, we know why they're here because we need people to help us uh, in image analysis and in informatics and things. But why the, why the, philosophers and the psycho how are they going to help us <laughs> and i was like it's not about helping us it's about it's about interacting so that we can create something new and different Unexpected, that yeah. isn't about them helping us or <laughs> with um so this has been this has been very challenging very exciting very frustrating very time consuming um but i have become profoundly convinced of the importance of stepping out of discipline silos and of interfacing in a in a in an equalizing way not not using not using other people's skills to answer my question but answering new questions because we've come together the cross-pollinization of sorts yeah (laughs) so this has been i and i've devoted a lot of energy to this with some frustration some 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 very satisfying i have published over the last uh Five years I've published with a philosopher, I've published with a sociologist, I've published with a physicist, uh, and of course with biologists from lots of different sub-disciplines. But, um, but this has been, this has been I, I really think this is the future of, 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 of academia, is to create better interdisciplinary. Um, you know, we're seeing it with the whole COVID thing. You know, it's not just about virology, and it's not just about about drug development and it's not just about epidemiology and it's not just about politics it's about how all these things come together so so th- this is uh, so I'm, i really do believe in this and i think universities and recruiting you know training uh, scenarios like programs and um and university recruiting committees need to find ways to to encourage interdisciplinary scholarship um, so this I and not because it's uh, sexy or bling bling, but because the future, yeah, the future of academia requires people to step out of their their disciplines and to learn from the others. I guess where it's hard is that people who are managing they they have an Excel 
you know, spreadsheet or, you know, and they're looking at numbers and it's hard to see what they're going to gain from this type of, of uh, endeavor. Uh, but, you know, people like you have to be out there and, and, you know, and publishing books and maybe doing TEDx's and, and explaining why, why it's cool that me, I, a biologist, I'm working with a philosopher and, and why is this, is this making yeah. our universe? So that's why, that's why, I'm, you know, I, whenever I can talk about it, I talk about it because I think it's really important. And you had mentioned the second. Yeah. yeah, so the second yeah. project, you'll like this because um, so I'm on the so I'm on the board of the doctoral school. I'm uh, the Ecole Doctorale. I'm I, I'm head of one of the co-head of one of the departments, and amongst all the other things that I that I can't say no to <laughs> um, because I really care about students. And um, so the doctoral school gives out PhD fellowships, and then they follow PhD students during that, and they 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 officially validate the uh, the PhD. Um, but the, the Ecole Doctorale and the secretary of the Ecole Doctorale um, said that they were they were noticing that there were a lot of mental health issues and that and that beyond important mental health, that students were extremely stressed, PhD students. Could I do something? Oh. <laughs> Could I think of some of some way to help? <laughs> so during their PhD in France, you have to do In addition to the lab work, you have to do a hundred hours of training in something. Okay, uh, so people take courses in bioinformatics or animal husbandry or whatever it is, but you can or imaging, image analysis, the things that they need for their projects. But you also have to take some soft skills classes. So I thought this is a great opportunity to do a project that I'd been dreaming of for years, but I haven't found a way to support, um, which we called uh, Dance Your PhD. And um, so we, uh, okay. so this was, we got together. So uh, a choreographer, a, a actor, a director, uh, a singer. Uh, so five artists and me. And we got 20 students in their PhD And we had, um, it was Tuesday evening for, there were supposed to be two hour sessions. In the end, they turned out to be three hours because no one wanted to go home. Um, and it was about, um, the original idea was that uh, we would help students to relax and to develop uh, communication and corporal expression skills. But it turned out to be much more than that, partly because we had these very talented uh, artists who managed to create... So we took 20 students. They had self-volunteered, men and women, not dancers. Uh, one guy came because his girlfriend had brought, dragged him along. Um, and, um, so and we... And they... 20 students from 20 different countries, almost. I mean, lots of different languages. And, uh, and we just explored how to express ourselves in different, well, different ways. Uh, what was really interesting is the first the first session, um, the director he said, "Let's go round and everyone say their name and tell me tell me what you work on so that we can understand a bit." And uh, and they also <laughs> and they they all looked down and they gave these very uh, very technical explanations of what they do. And he and and this team managed to get them to come out of themselves. We got them singing which is amazing and dancing and 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 at the end we did a performance in the park actually um and, and it wasn't and the students were 
so there were some people who came and watched it, but actually they didn't do it for anyone else. They did it for them. They just wanted to to express what they uh, and it was fascinating. And I really I learned a lot of things about you know the lab is very very it's very physical and there's a sort of almost a choreography to to lab work to you know the pipetting and and the space how how can you be aware of the other people around you without and how do you form a group without imposing the group how how does auto organization of groups and and communicating and and also he got each of them to 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 say things in their own language so he had all these languages going on at the same time and technical and, and emotional and it was fantastic it was it was great and the students they still talk they still they formed a group they're still talking to each other um and uh, and i again i think and we're trying i'm trying to 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 um document this i'm convinced that these experiences help them back in the lab help them when they have to give their phd defense in front of lots of people um help them with the idea that i can get up on stage even though i don't master everything that i can interact with other people and share and be vulnerable and share something about myself and still have my own project and my own career all, all these things so so um yeah, so I wanted to tell you about that. I, it's, I, I wish <laughs> the, the, there was a footage, but uh, I, I, but like this must have been private. But it's a, it's a super cool idea. And as you were saying in in part one, uh, if and you didn't say it exactly like this, but but tell me if you agree. If you as a researcher put all you know the eggs on the basket of science, and that's all you do, whenever you hit those hard moments and those roadblocks that everyone hits. It's a. It, it can hit you really, really hard, and you, you. I can take if you put in everything. It can take it all out of you, and and it does. I, uh, you know, I, 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 and I don't want people. So I don't want to come across as you know. He's one of those guys. You know, everything always works for him. He went to, you know, he has this great CV, and I, I had some low points, some some very low points uh, that were hard personally and hard for my family to you know around me, and. Um, and, and I've, you know, I, I failed at lots of things as well. We, we just, we don't talk about them a lot, but um, I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, you know, everything works. I want them to see that I'm vulnerable and I make mistakes and, and I don't know necessarily where I'm going either. Um, I, I think those are, I think that's really important to, to communicate uh, to, to students. But one thing is clear and we're reaching the end of the interview, but you care for your students and that's, that's, uh, that's clear to me, and and it uh, it it's heartwarming to me after this this conversation to to feel that and uh, and uh, you you, have, you you mentioned before some of these things have gone full circle where you have a student an ex student or an alumnus teaching a class because he's now in an incubator that you you know got the students to to be able to visit and and study I. I uh, so, so, so one of the other th one of the things I do, you know, that's got nothing to do with science is I'm very interested in in ancient texts. So, which, which is the, the the common link is I'm interested in in looking at letters and how letters form words and how words allow expression, which is part of science and science, part of science journalism, and also part of genetics. It's all about the letters and how the letters form the words. So, so, um, um. But there isn't an, an ancient text uh, that that asks the question, "Who is wise?" and the and the answer 
And the answer given is he who learns from everyone. And um, and I feel I always quote these sort of things to, to my students that I but by, by stepping across and saying, you know, I'm not going to be the teacher on the teacher side, but we're going to all learn together. Um, I've learned as much from my students as they've learned from me. And, and you know, to be able to ask a student who's head of an incubator, can you show me around and, you know, I can ask questions. It, it's fantastic. And, I, and, and the one thing I've really realized as a teacher is the more, the less instructions and the more freedom you give to a student, once a student realizes that they have a lot of freedom, suddenly they express themselves in lots of different ways. And, and we all learn together. And this is fantastic. And then I can take that and go back to the lab. And, you know, there are little things that continue to turn around in, inside. And uh, so, so I, I really feel I, at the end of every semester, I thank my students for what they've taught me. Mm. It's um, true. It's a two way street or ideally it's a two way street for sure. And, and, uh, and uh, again, uh, kudos for, for uh, all, all you're doing, all these super interesting projects. I hope the listeners will be inspired by them and maybe try to dance their PhD, who knows, <laughs> wherever they are. I think it's, it's a very uh, surprising but, but great idea. And, and it's true, you know, a lot of us are introverted and not very outgoing. And just to imagine myself being on a stage dancing my, my PhD, you need to break a bunch of barriers to be able to do that, right? <laughs> and, uh, but but I always said to students, you, you've chosen a career, if you choose science, you've chosen a career that, um, that, has, that requires an amazing skill set and that you were, you're going to need to be able to go on stage and give seminars. You're going to need to be able to talk to people around your poster. You're going to need to be able to teach. There are so many things that you're going to need to be able to do. If you don't, if you never want to get up on stage, you can't be a scientist because it's not just about doing the experiments. You have to be able to communicate and write and present and teach. And that's all part of the job. And if you can't do that, then then, then you won't succeed as well as... Uh, so you need this amazing skill set, which is hard to, to develop. But um, It's hard, but it's... Eventually, if you if you end up leaving academia, it's highly valued by employers out there, even though they might not know. You know, if you, if you ask them, like you said, do you employ PhDs or do you hire PhDs, they won't know to, how to answer. But if you ask, do you want someone who knows this, knows that, is, cap is capable of doing this, has this personality trait, they'll say yes right away, for sure. And I think the part of teaching is giving... Um Part of teaching is, is giving um, students the, the, the confidence to say, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I know how to do it, but I want to have a try. And uh, I think that's, that's what we need to do as a teacher. And um, I, Yeah, I, I won't even comment on that or rephrase it. It's ex I, I totally agree. And, and um, I wish and I hope teachers out there are think like you because... Again, especially considering that a lot of students are living with anxiety, etc. And they're only, or one, even like I was here in, in Canada, my family's in Portugal, and my, my father figure, let's say, was my PI, in a way. And, it, it, you know, when the, the, your supervisor has uh, your, your success and your fulfillment and, and, and your, um, well, champions, champions you, in a way, it's... It, bolsters you and it gives you that confidence to go forward uh 
I think it's, this is the right point actually to because you've given a lot of you know you told a lot of great stories and I think given a lot of inspiring insights uh, but given that we're now reaching the end of the interview and based on all this we said if there are people out there maybe in their postdoc maybe in their PhD who are thinking uh, well this uh, tenure maybe is not tenure is maybe not materializing Am I am I losing my time by doing this, uh, or am I throwing all my PhD to the garbage if I go to industry? What two or three pieces of advice do you do you have for them to, you know, to keep their their bear, you know, pointing north and go and going uh, uh, full steam to finish to defend and then to create that piece of art that their career is going to be. It's hard to give advice because when when you give advice, it, it it makes it look like you worked it all out. And 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 one thing that I'm realizing is you never worked it all out. So so it's always hard to give it. It's hard to give advice as if you know I'm a elder, wise elder, because I I'm still figuring it out myself. And maybe that's part of the advice is that uh, you'll always be figuring it out yourself. But 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 as I said before, we experimentalists. The only way to know whether you can write is to write, <laughs> and 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 when you write, so maybe you'll get it right, and and you'll always get better. So I can get up on stage and give a talk, but I still spend a lot of time preparing because I can always get better, and um, and my writing can still always get better. So, but you only do that. By 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 having the courage to to try, you need to step out of your comfort zone and try. And uh, so so, for example, in my lab, uh, I, I wonder what, what my students are going to think. They're listening to me because they they're going to think he's you know everyone thinks he's great, but he's not really like that. He's a you know he's a difficult supervisor and difficult father and all these things. So so I I don't get it all right, but I but I. I really do uh, try, but I do say to my students um, about the projects in my lab that that we do things that I don't know how to do, and, and they find it very perturbing because it would be nicer if I said I know how to do that, and I'm like I don't want to do things that I know how to do because I know how to do them. I want to do things I don't know how to do. That's what makes good science, and that's what makes life more interesting. So. Um, So that just means to have the courage to say, I'm going to do things that I don't know how to do, which is harder to say and to do, but actually makes life much more fun. And I think it makes for better science. I don't want every paper coming out of my lab to look the same because we've done that. So um, so, uh, so I, th I think you've got to have the guts to try. And most of the try, a lot of the trying is actually low risk because uh, you're going to get a PhD at the end. So uh, if you've done some science communication or you got up on stage or you've uh, tried to teach, even if it's just a, a high school student who comes to the lab or you've given a talk at your local church, whatever it is about stem cells or whatever, whatever it is that you do, um, all those, they will all be part of your training and and i think the other thing i really feel strongly about this art and the dance is is not to say oh, that's my work the science work and then and then there's all the other things it's all part of who you are 
Um, so, you know, I'm talking to you now. Is this, <laughs> is this work or play or, <laughs> well, it's a bit of everything. The, the boundaries are not always clear. That's true. Uh, but you need to you need to be able to try. You need to be never scared to do things that you don't know how to do. Mm. That's how you learn. Jonathan, uh, this is a great way to to end the, the interview. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would like to add something. Yeah, go ahead. I would like to add something, which is I want to thank you because um, I, I I really like what you're doing, and um, and and I'm because I'm as said I, I like to keep trying to do things that I don't know how to do. So. I'm just in the process of launching my own podcast. So I've been listening very carefully to you. I think you're doing a great job. I really like what you're doing and it's inspiring. I hope there'll be lots of science-related podcasts. So ours is uh, is going to be called The Lonely Pipette or, or, or The Lonely Pipette. We haven't worked out whether it's pipette or pipette. But, um, so, uh, and it's going to be... Um, helping scientists to do better science oh excellent i i'm gonna keep an ear out for that for sure do you know when it's gonna launch uh well we're in covid so i have a lot of time at home so so um we uh we're recording the first ones now um so hopefully when we come out of confinement we'll have uh the first packet package uh, ready to launch excellent I'll, i'll make sure to to share something whenever you launch and and to to listen i'm super interested in in, uh, in what that's going to be uh, is there any if someone's listening and said oh i'd really love to chat with jonathan what's the best uh, the best way to reach to reach you would it be linkedin so the uh, so linkedin is i'm very active on linkedin uh the easiest way to find me is uh, twitter so my twitter is uh, epigenetique so the french spelling um so we didn't talk about epigenetics but uh that's something <laughs> we could have we could have spoken for two hours about epigenetics oh so, so uh, <laughs> epigenetics is something that i'm very excited about i'm very excited about how epigenetics is communicated to the public so my um my twitter name is epigenetique um or you can find me on linkedin so those are the two platforms that i'm i'm using at the moment perfect i will i'll put that in the show notes And uh, and I'm thinking back, uh, maybe there's a couple of things that I can put that in there too, the TEDx talk and, and other things. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. This was such a pleasure. Uh, I, I'm really uh, enchanté by by uh, all the, the, the projects that you talked about and, and especially uh, seeing that they're really uh, focused on the students and on their, their interests and, uh, and, and on bolstering them and on, on preparing them for, for what comes after. Uh, it, it's really, it's really uh, touching, and uh, I, I just uh, wish you success in all your current projects and all the future ones that you might have, including the podcast. Thank you, <laughs> so thank, thank you, you, David. If you enjoyed the insights shared on the show each week, and would like to dig deeper into some of the subjects covered, you can now join the Papa PhD Postgraduate Career Exploration Group on Facebook. There, you will find like-minded listeners but also a few of the past guests who will be taking part in the conversation. So, to start a conversation, just go to facebook.com forward slash PhD and ask to join. And if the show has helped you in any way and you'd like to contribute, join the Papa PhD Patreon at patreon.com forward slash PhD and become a monthly supporter. You will be helping me continue to interview interesting guests and to bring you stories that will help you in your career journey. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD Podcast. 
Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Thank you.